0: Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon and e commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e commerce podcast, The E commerce Leader, co hosted by myself, Michael Veazey, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unami's highest rated e commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for the e-commerce leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today, we welcome back to the podcast, Conor Ogre, an old friend of the podcast, and he is the founder and manager of Rural Handmade, a very exciting business that is either called the alibaba for handmade or as i prefer etsy for businesses so they bring beautiful handmade things sometimes in quite attractively low minimum order quantities as well so really interesting area to explore welcome back to the show first of all connect
1: thank you michael for having me yeah
0: my pleasure so we're speaking by the magic of the internet even though we're both in london and uh, it's beautifully rainy and dark here, but let's think of sunnier places and lovely sunny India. So we're going to talk about a variety of stuff that you guys offer really quite a big range of services now to suppliers, um, to sellers i should say who want to go into this exciting area of getting rural handmade beautiful goods we talked about in the last show that the sort of general picture you got there and why people are going for this so let's talk a bit more nuts and bolts in this show first of all let's talk about those minimum order quantities because i think one of the things that is a big problem with the private label business model as a whole is that you have to put lots of money into one product and then hope it works and as the marines say hope is not a strategy so what are you guys what are you guys able to offer that's better than that
1: Right, so I think the the idea is very simple. If you look at the Indian subcontinent, I think, especially the handmade sector, I think the world's easily fifty percent of the artisans live in the Indian subcontinent. Now, what that really means is basically there are these communities that are in these extremely decentralized, you know, villages and cities, and there are all sorts of businesses. You know, there are businesses that cater to brands like TJ Maxx, you know, Target or Walmart, but then there are businesses that actually have never sold things outside their local you know town or they've only gone and sold things um, at the national level or maybe they've if they've actually sold things they've probably gone to maybe 300 miles outside the indian subcontinent now essentially uh, handmade is is always has always been a very people driven or 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 a, or a very labor intensive business and we actually have all sorts of communities so they can actually make lot of things by subcontract subcontracting work to a bunch of communities, and also we have communities that are actually twenty people or ten people in a small group. And the, the bottom line is because the, the lifestyles in the rural areas is actually not extravagant, and they just love creating these things. And we have such strong relationships with them that they are more than happy to do even fifty pieces, uh, you know, hundred pieces or two hundred pieces, and you could play and experiment with whatever new designs you have in mind. And our biggest USP is actually we commission designs into products. So so just because it is handmade and the kind of flexibility it kind of brings in makes it really, very attractive. And therefore, we're able to give such low MOQs.
0: Excellent. So tell me about commission design thing, because obviously uh, that's one of the biggest problems we've got as Amazon sellers, particularly depends how good you are at design. Some of us have a knack for it. Some of us, myself included, don't have a real feel for that. And and I think industrial design is also quite an advanced thing. It's one thing to have graphic design abilities. It's another to design a 3D object that has a function. So how do you guys go about that? What's the process? Yeah.
1: Right, so uh, the the multiple ways of of doing this, so one of the things we do is we ask our clients is to kind of sketch their ideas onto a paper, Uh, and then we have a design team that really comes that through a CAD cam or an AutoCAD into a product, and then we quickly make a prototype. This process from end-to-end can take about 15 days, sometimes 30 days, sometimes quicker, depending on how complex and if there uh, there is some kind of a mix and match of different set of products in terms of the raw materials. The other way of uh, doing this is a lot of times, which we've done, is clients know what they want to build or what they want to make. They've seen it through Pinterest. They've gone through Etsy. They've seen a competitor doing something similar. They ship the sample to us. Uh, Once we have a sample, we know exactly what it is. We kind of understand the configuration, and then we value engineer or we value add whatever his ideas into the existing product and and then we kind of commission the design into a product so these are the two more common processes that we've seen that we've done
0: that's nice and clear and a lot of it is uh, similar to the way that the chinese can work i mean the chinese factories are famously fantastic at replicating a physical product if you just stick something as a jiffy bag and say make one like this they're generally good at that although you would not necessarily get the quality you're expecting but uh that sounds quite similar but I, I like the idea that you can literally start with a sketch on a piece of paper it goes into cad and then makes it into prototype that's really quite cool that's a really genuinely creative kind of process and uh, i really like that i mean presumably there's some level of feedback or taste that you would sort of push back the other way like if i sketch something that you think is not really going to work and somebody's had 50 years experience of making beautiful objects in ebony wood for example i presume there would be some kind of feedback mechanism for saying that's not a great plan or something How, how does that work
1: absolutely i think you know funny enough i think if i just thank internet and technology i think mostly you know the only issues we normally have is with the colors because of course, the the colors can change as we mix. Like if you if you paint something on natural wood, the color might not be what the client is expecting. But but by and large, it's mostly to do with you know sending across images, sending across videos, showing them the process, showing them the limitations of what we're trying to build, and then often send samples. You know, you you get the sample, you make the prototype, make sure all the SOPs are in process, you ship the samples. You know, shipping and receiving samples is actually like very cost effective it's not even expensive you do that and and in the worst case you might go on to the third or the fourth iteration but usually in the very first iteration as i see the sample they, they send their feedback uh, and then we do the production so it's pretty straightforward
0: That's great. And I love the fact that this is exactly the way that I would suggest to anyone that they design a product anywhere these days. But when you're getting it made from plastic or something, there's always that feeling behind it that they have got this terrible complexity that every time you change something, you've got to consider, can we produce a thousand of these? Whereas in your case, I guess that, you know, you're not worrying about that scaling up piece because it's literally manual scaling anyway. So that kind of simplifies the scaling question, right? At least in
1: my perception, is that accurate? Absolutely. I think I think uh, for, for the most complex handmade designs that we've seen, the cost of making the so-called dye, which is if you, you hear it very often when you especially go to the Chinese factory, which is they have to create a cast and then they have to mass produce to you know recover the cost of the dye. It, it, it generally varies uh, depending on the on the techniques that you are following, but it could be anything between uh, $200 to about $1,000 in the worst case. So So the range is actually not that big. And, and that itself, uh, you know, gives you a lot of advantages because you know that you can play around with multiple ideas. And if it doesn't work the first time, you go to the second second iteration, the third one. Now, the, the beauty here is, is that you actually get such a wide opportunity to create some of the amazing designs that you could never imagine to be created in, in any kind of mass produced setup. You know, because then you would talk about, as you rightly pointed out, minimum 1,000 quantity. Uh, and that itself is a risk having said that, i think one of the things that i've seen the last you know couple of years change is that if if we if you are a new amazon seller or you're selling on amazon and you're trying to replicate a supply chain which is as old as like five years the chances of you being successful is actually very little and that is something that i, I always sell to all amazon sellers It is very difficult to have a sustainable business if you're not trying to put in efforts starting at the supply chain
0: Okay, can you explain a bit more of, of what you mean by that? So you start with your supply chain.
1: Right, so so, so essentially if you are trying to launch a product and there, there are obviously multiple ways of doing this. One of the ways of doing this is you go to Alibaba, you kind of look at what everybody else is selling. That business might fly for the first quarter or, or two quarters, but then gradually it will die down. Well, what it really means is that you haven't really put in a lot of effort in really providing value in the process. Now, what I mean by really putting value in the process is you really, really try and go deep into the, the, the bottom of the pyramid. Look at what is it that you're trying to add. Look at the supply chain. Look at what are the products you're trying to create. You know, t- simple things like you know, create a design and get a soft patent. Like you know, in the UK we get design registrations for for not a very expensive amount, like eighty quid for like ten different ideas for one particular you know design, and and that is is very critical. That is exactly what is mending a business rather than selling at Amazon. That's the fine line that you have to be mindful of.
0: So tell me a little bit of your sort of practical advice for somebody who is if somebody is starting out on Amazon or at least in the early stages with with implementing what you're just talking about.
1: Right, so I think a few ideas or a few suggestions that I can give is first, really, really try and understand that how sustainable can Buying things from China, I'm not saying China is bad, but buying things that are cheap going to be uh, giving you any return because it's very difficult nowadays. It's, it's actually virtually impossible. Uh, I think one of the stats that I know of that in the UK, 86% sellers are Chinese. Uh, so, so there's no way you will undercut them on on pricing. I mean, the second thing, is what are you really trying to do as far as the product development is concerned? And how defensible is that? So if you start with these two things and then you start creating products in small batches and then launching and then, you know, uh, at the beginning, have to pick up the right keywords to launch, your success rate, you know, increases drastically. So this is very important
0: that does make sense i mean one of the things i've seen not at all really with this sort of rural or handmade sustainable type product but one of my clients in the mastermind came to me as a coaching client about three years ago and was selling was wanting to sell exact same thing i'd looked at a few months before with another client and thought oh this is a terrible idea because it was the same thing as everything else out there and everyone was sourcing from china now this the difference was that he did a lot of homework and decided to source this particular product from the uk so it's not a role handmade already as you know indian subcontinent story but the the moral of the story is he spent a lot of time finding a supplier that was going to be different to everyone else and in his case it was actually cheaper which is kind of amazing so he's beating the chinese at his own game because he doesn't have to pay import duty and vat and so forth or, or freight because he's he's sourcing a uk selling uk now the the commonality with what you were just talking about is really going to the trouble of really diving into to getting a supply side difference, which I think is really, really important. And with respect to your your tagline uh, if i may say so i i would personally see you more as the etsy for businesses than alibaba for handmade because the bad thing about alibaba is that everyone in the world is using it whereas although your service is wonderful and growing it's not yet alibaba i think it's safe to say right so you're not going to have hundreds of thousands of other people looking at raw handmade and picking the exact same products which is a really comforting thing when you're trying to launch a product okay well look this is this is very very good stuff I, i really love your creative kind of approach that comes out of you know the the way you operate our new partner for today's episode is ovals the stock management experts according to retail dive e-commerce store owners lost 22 billion dollars in sales because of being out of stock 15 percent of consumers actually switched sites to buy the item if they encountered an out-of-stock product online don't let that be your customer ovals can help you avoid these mistakes with ovals you can check for stock errors and improve inventory accuracy to increase sales ovals want to help you grow your sales with a free inventory accuracy cheat sheet all our listeners will get two months of an ovals paid plan for free you can get your free months by visiting ovals.io forward slash that's o-v-a-l-z dot i-o forward slash amazing f for freddy b for bertie a for alpha tell me a bit about stock management then because obviously once you've got something that works the next problem is you know, first thing problem is getting sales. <laughs> Second problem is profit. And then once it sells, you've got the problem that people keep taking your stock off the shelves and you need to replenish it and then stock management becomes a problem. So how do you guys handle the stock management and supply chain sides of things?
1: Right. So what we've actually done is we've actually come up with a very simple and a creative solution which is if you look at the existing solutions around 3PL and and and, and 4PL, it's basically you store things at the destination so if you sell in the US you sell you actually store things at the destination cost at times can be very expensive i, I know people pay a lot you know like a 15 20 dollars uh, per cbm and and that is a, a cost that doesn't really need to incur because what people could do is actually start sourcing at the source itself so rather than you know creating having a an inventory a massive inventory at a third party warehouse you can actually keep the inventory at one of the destinations that we we, we have. And what this really does is basically does the same thing. We could replenish at the same rate as a warehouse in the UK, Germany, or the US, but the cost is about 1 by 10th or 1 by 15th. Now, how do we do this? It's fairly simple. We create a cycle in which if the stock is about 300 pieces, 100 pieces would be with Amazon – and depending on the sales velocity, you would have 100 pieces on the C, which is the transition period, and then the other 100 pieces would be in the warehouse. So for any uh, fluctuations in supply-demand, we could quickly replenish whatever we have in the warehouse. Now, what this also helps us do is we actually then can give a very clear lead time to the manufacturers now one of the problems we've we've seen and we've actually learned from it is that you know handmade is not like you know mass produced product so so timelines usually you know vary between 10 15 20 days plus minus and since it's a very labor intensive work we we find it more comforting to have a stock with us in hand rather than you know having a very low inventory and then waiting for about 20 days because what has amazon done if you look at the recent changes if you are out of stock for a long time you, if you could send 1,000 pieces, you could only send 200 pieces now. And so, so those changes really impact your business because Amazon then starts to see that you don't have a great supply chain, uh, and that can impact you. So this is what we've seen uh, to be a very cost-effective kind of a solution where you source at the source rather than at the destination
0: okay so it sounds like it's it's not quite as primitive as as just in one place or the other because you're thinking about the the stock on the sea at any given point as uh, you know being somewhere closer to the market but not there yet so how reliable that brings us to the next question because i know that the the logistics from china to uh, usa and in europe indeed have recently become frightening just because there's been so much demand and of course air freight capacity has been reduced a great deal because a lot of airlines still aren't flying in the way that they used to. So that's put even sea freight now under huge pressure. I've been talking with suppliers of, you know, freight forwarders, suppliers of freight, over the last few months and, and this is in the last couple of weeks really in December 2020 now we've been saying it's three or four times normal 300 400 percent increase in cost so how do you see that working when you've got say 100 units stored somewhere in India or wherever it may be and you want to get it into chi- to Amazon how do you deal with the fact of you know making sure you don't run out of stock in that scenario
1: right so the, the two things so, so obviously if you look at this business model of supply and demand it's quite fragmented so they're the multiple sellers uh, with with, with uh, multiple low quantities from multiple manufacturers, so we become like the bridge. So every month we we ship a container of about. You know, seven to eight different Amazon sellers, and their quantities vary. If if they have SKUs that are running out, we send a higher quantity. If their SKUs that are not moving, they're moving slowly, then we send a very optimized uh, quantity. Now, as far as shipping is concerned, I think we have a great supply chain now, where we could actually, in a sense, really you know give a very definitive timelines as far as shipping is concerned. Manufacturing, as I said, it's a bit tricky, but shipping is quite consistent and And I think this consolidation that we've been doing as a business has given better shipping rates, has given better you know storage rates, as well as you know helped our clients not run off inventory. So that has been you know what we've been doing the last you know twelve months.
0: Interesting and I guess also that if the storage rates are are that much dramatically lower like a tenth of what it might be in the US or Europe then you can afford to pay a little bit more for expedited shipping if you occasionally need to airship something or something like that I guess you've got to sort of weigh up the system as a whole. Now the other thing that I know you guys are developing which is is very much a thrust that I know some really serious intelligent sellers have been working on recently in the mastermind is is inventory management at a more sophisticated level because obviously as somebody else put it and we've had so many discussions about this in the end the, the best way to maximize your profits is to identify your best sellers and then never run out of stock and it's easier said than done right <laughs> because it's the opposite extreme is that you tie up a ton of capital um in stock that sits there for months or even a year or more if you're unlucky so how does that work how, how does your ai work for inventory management
1: Right, so I think at this stage that we are in right now, I think we're we're quite early. But as we are gathering more data, and we have more understanding of what are people buying and what are people selling, and that data is just kind of helping us, you know, build the model. But it still is very early because you know anybody who is building a model about projections, you know, has to have a really good data set. So it still is very early days now. But I think we do definitely we do a mix of whatever the Amazon is saying plus whatever the clients have in terms of expectations. And having said that, as I was telling that we have, you know, uh, clients also reaching out to different set of businesses, you know, wholesalers and corporates. and, And so they often tell us to kind of, you know, add additional 300 pieces, 500 pieces. And then we kind of do the same thing, consolidate, you know, send it to the destination and then, you know, unconstrued it and then ship it to wherever the the, the requirement is.
0: Excellent. So it sounds like a sort of work in progress. Now, I mentioned air shipping. I guess if you get your inventory management slightly wrong and you end up air shipping, (laughs) that can get a bit expensive. I mean, how often, how has that come into the sort of mix of the logistics?
1: So I think before COVID, to be honest with you, uh, air shipping was a very frequent thing we used to do because uh, a lot of the products we had were were light, and they were small, and they were easy to kind of move around. We have, you know, some of the great, uh, finest shipping rates, and we could easily beat uh, the, the the market shipping rates uh, because we have such established supply chain. But with COVID, I think it's been a tough year for a lot of businesses, is just because you know the international flights were not running, and they were only business essentials if they were running, and and the prices really skyrocketed to you know three, four, five times. And then wasn't really feasible. So this year, we, to be honest with you, we've actually just relied completely on sea shipping. But you know, hopefully, you know, as we kind of come back to the normal, uh, we've, as I said, we we have been air shipping things, and we ideally would would think that it would be back to normal next year.
0: Well, I guess even if it's three times normal cost, then you can afford to airship a small amount of stuff if you want to stay in stock, if you just want to make sure that you're you're not going to go out. But that's never really been any different. I guess it's just that you've got to just do your numbers right, I guess, in the end. That boring bit where you sit down on the spreadsheet. <laughs> Somebody said to yes. me the other day, since you took up Amazon Selling about 15 years ago, whatever, it's just basically spreadsheets and emails. So I guess you got to be willing to do that one more one more spreadsheet. Uh, I'm lucky in that for me, it's conversations as well with, with people as charming and bright as yourself. So tell me a bit more about the design of packaging that you guys do, because obviously you do product design. I know you offer um, packaging design as well. How does that sort of tie into the the picture
1: right so i think one of the things that uh, we've we've kind of you know learned over the time is that i think since we are in the business of handmade and handmade essentially you know directly translates into you know an emotional connect to the end customer and and it really really starts with unboxing what you received and we've actually worked really hard in the last 12 months in terms of really trying to get some of the finest you know, manufacturers or businesses who do some of the finest, you know, packaging, you know, using more sustainable materials at the same time, you know, has to be cost-effective. It just can't be very really expensive. So, yeah, I mean, we we can do literally anything. I mean, uh, quite frankly, if uh, uh, you compare to any big brand, you look at their box, we could replicate it for our clients now. And and that has been doing very well, I think, you know, because I think this has not been mainstream thought I would say at least last year, because people would, you know, sell on Amazon this amazing handmade product. The packaging would be really bad, and that I think is exactly, you know, delighting the customer right from unboxing. And and this is, this new process that we have in place has really done that. So that's the, and we will we will actually see results in the next couple of quarters. It's too it's too early, but I think these are amazing packaging.
0: Yeah. And I think also if, if it's in the gifting category, as you say, uh, living, giving and, uh, dining or, or whatever the categories were. But I think it's really important. Obviously it's Q4 right now. And I'm not suggesting that by the time anyone listens to us, it's going to be you know enough time left to sell things for christmas but nevertheless any kind of gifting type thing is so important to think about packaging i I really think when you think about the most basic of all packaging is wrapping paper at christmas and as soon as you put wrapping paper and a bow around it you add that kind of christmas magic to it the mystery that unboxing is you know even more of a a sort of thing isn't it so i think it's right that we have to really really think about packaging and i I think that, that unboxing experience as you put the finger on it ripping the wrapping paper off as it were whether it's christmas or another time or indeed Diwali or whatever the the festival is one celebrating but that's a really important thing well we could talk for hours because you have a lot of services you offer I mean do you want to just take a second to tell people what it is you offer if they want to get in touch and explore working with you further
1: yeah so I think I think for for e-commerce sellers I think what we're really trying to do is basically offer a simple subscription-based business so you say literally we will have a team dedicated for all your needs, so you could play with as many number of SKUs as many number of you know, product design commissioning different ideas into products, and you know, in in real sense, if you if you're really trying to create a brand of the future, I genuinely think uh, handmade sector is one of the most underrepresented and under um, you know tapped market. I mean, you know, stuff like handmade you know water surfing you know things or handmade furnitures or or things that are actually essential goods that have mass produce could be handmade but it takes a lot of patience and, and and time to really think of what are you really trying to create and and that's very important and so i, I think generally only for that specific reason we have this wonderful scheme in which what we really want to do is not tell you what you want to sell rather you tell us a, a complex project which really starts from a paper and then we go about it and said we will really be uh, partners in, in creating these things. So, you know, you want pictures, you want to create, you know, you want to talk to the vendor, you want to come and fly and speak to them. You want to stay with us and you want to, make sure that there is, uh, you know, ethical processes in place. You want to make sure that you see the warehouse. You really want to test the product yourself. And and literally everything from inventory, production, quality, monitoring, having an entire process that you would need, which is, you know, again, what I've been telling is about reinventing the supply chain and being very close to the supply chain is an exact offer that we're trying to give give to people. And, and that's what it does, basically. And once you do few SKUs, you launch, you experiment – are you if you're already doing something and it's doing well then you keep adding new products create an identity you know get more customers and you know really become uh, the masters of e-commerce and then uh, and repeat the cycle essentially just repeat the cycle and keep keep doing and and that's and we are here like as a we this is exactly what we give as a service so yeah that's 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 it
0: excellent so broadly you offer sort of a cradle to grave really detailed service i I can just give a a flavor of what we got here for, for the most comprehensive one you've got you include product photography verifying suppliers samples compliance production monitoring which is really important actually that's rarely done quality control warehousing we've mentioned ai driven stuff shipping private label stuff account management as well product development so it really is the whole package and, and of course we mentioned account product development and the, the design of the packaging as well so that's really a, a great sort of all-in-one package that is definitely worth exploring and apart from anything else you guys have got a huge amount of experience at this stage so definitely worth a conversation so if people want to get in touch and explore working with you what's the best way they can get hold of you Konark?
1: yeah i mean you can just linkedin social media but if you want to drop me an email i can give you my email it's my first name konark k-o-n-a-r-k at Ruralhandmade.com.
0: So ruralhandmade.com and uh, social media everywhere as well. And we'll, we'll put a, a link forwards from amazingfba.com as well. So it'll be amazingfba.com forward slash rural probably going to be easy to remember that one so just remains for me to say a big thanks it's, it's very inspiring i like your passion for this and obviously every time we get you on the show you've really developed and, and built out the offering that you make for sellers so this is looking particularly like a sort of really incomprehensive sort of cradle to help sellers really navigate these waters of something which is probably new to a lot of us so that's a really fantastic thing you're, you're doing for the community and great to hear from you so thank you so much for coming back on the show
1: Thank you, Michael, for having me. Thanks a lot.
0: If you make between eight and 30,000 euros or dollars a month on Amazon, so about six to 22,000 pounds, this is worth a minute of your time. I've noticed a consistent problem for e-commerce sellers around this level of sales. They've got one, two or even several products making decent sales. They've got market research and they have their sourcing in place. In short, they've done the basics of launching products and of their business. But too many are driving blind. Usually they don't know their numbers, whether they're financial or marketing. Often they are lurching from uncontrolled spikes in sales to going out of stock, and nearly always they lack a clear roadmap for the next phase of growth. Their business is in short unstable, probably not very profitable, and certainly unsellable. Step forward the 10K tune up. The 10k tune-up is a process to hone sellers' businesses at this critical point in their growth. It will make your business more stable and more profitable. You will work together with me one-to-one to help organise your finances and marketing data. We will get to you the best use of your accountant to keep on top of your numbers and of your freight forwarder to stay in stock and keep making money. Once that's stable, we will work together on a product roadmap to get to seven figures a year in profitable sales over the next one to three years. In short, we will help you turn your business into an asset that makes you money now, and which you can, if you want, sell in future for a healthy six or even seven figure sum. To find out more about how that works, just go to www.amazingfba.com forward slash tuneup. That's amazingfba.com forward slash tuneup. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimey's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com.